Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 9th of August 2011. For newcomers, you should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and help yourself to the hundreds of audios which are freely available there where hopefully you'll get shortcuts to understanding this big system you live in and you're born into, your parents are born into, a big system they don't know, they, they know nothing about really, most of them. Most people go to their graves never really understanding, they've been manipulated and lied to and conned and prodded and uh, uh, basically um, prompted along their lives to think that things are just happening in their lifetime out of the blue, things just happen out of the blue. And they never stop to think that so many thousands of experts in every country are dealing on every single topic of imaginable that uh, these things cannot be so unpredictable after all. You're living through a planned society, a planned change into this new system. And of course, like all new systems, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. And that's why you have riots and chaos and all the rest of it all planned that way. And I'll show you later tonight how that was done. In fact, some of it. And how they generally tell you long in advance as to what they want to do at the top, the, the global society. It's not going to be some big happy family all just purchasing big television sets. It's going to be a very uh, eugenically driven society to get the survival of the fittest while all the rest are simply killed off or allowed to die. And uh, the hardest thing to do in this society is to hold on to your sanity as you go through these massive changes. They say nothing happens in a big way without it being planned that way. And while you're at it, remember, buy the books and discs I've got it for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. They're different from other books. And I hope to give you a little insights into how it would be managed in the past, even from ancient times, through language and the use of words and images. Uh, images are awfully important symbols. And how uh, literally we're programmed from early childhood to go along with a system where a few at the top benefit and the rest don't. It's that simple, really. Only today they're using much higher technologies, and we've read about some of them on this particular broadcast. So buy the books and the discs, and from the U.S. to Canada, remember you can use a personal check, or you can use an international postal money order, or you can send cash, or you can use PayPal. Um, you'll see the donation button on the com site. Just uh, follow it up with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get uh, your order out to you. And straight donations are certainly welcome as well. Remember, too, that across the world you can use Western Union or MoneyGram and, again, PayPal to order using the donation button. And, again, straight donations are really welcome as we watch this nonsense of inflation go across the world, as planned, of course. And it won't touch the big money boys because they were the guys that planned it all. And they will reap the rewards. That's all the cash and all the real estate that they collect when you all go under. That's how it's done. You're plundered generally twice a century, and that's why the banking system is never totally overhauled and new regulations put in place. And nobody swings for it, basically, after they've plundered the whole countries. It's set up that way because they want it that way. And whoever controls the money controls the nation's 
And that's what Rothschild said himself. Uh, every prime minister and president goes to, to their, their borrowing facility with cap in hand and borrows the cash instead of making their own. But that's what you're up against. Clever men. And uh, the problem with uh, the people outside this little circle who run it is that they're, they're bribable. At the top, there's always psychopaths who are very bribable, who become prime ministers and presidents and keep the con going and help to loot you. They get well rewarded themselves, mind you. Like Tony Blair, for instance, they make all their money once they come out of politics. That's their payoffs. And we live in an awfully corrupt system. And, um, of course, from, from their angle and perspective, they'll tell you they actually deserve it. Running the country and all, very difficult, you know, flying in private jets and winding and dining and letting your underlings make all the decisions that the advisors around you actually made. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. It is hard for people to hold on to their sanity because they get swept up in the media nonsense as they divert your attention from one country to the next, to the next, to the next, and have you going in circles. And so life becomes a kind of kaleidoscope with bits and pieces or bites of information just sinking into your head and making no sense of it all because they're unrelated to other bits and pieces. And that's really how you're controlled because the ones at the top are very cool, calm and collected and they know exactly where the world is supposed to go. Hard to imagine for most folk that you're already under a global society. You have been for a long time and have had international organizations and think tanks working for well over a 100 years now. They plan the future, and they plan that they will always be there in the future. And a long time ago, they brought academia on board to work for the bankers and with think tanks, etc., and grants to their universities to work on ways to manage the mob. That's everybody else. Uh, as we go through all these big drastic changes. Part of it, too, was to destroy nationalism. And, of course, during World War II, we, we know they had meetings especially held in, in the U.S., uh, to do with the destruction of na- the nation-state. They said it was the worst possible thing they could have after Germany. I guess it was okay to be Russian because that, technically that was an empire that was constantly expanding. And they're awfully, mind you, most of them were communists anyway and still are to an extent at the very top because they used communism or socialism to bring in their world state. And it's against nationalism, you see. So the, the idea was that eventually the, the borders would, would go, that a free trade and the free transport of uh, uh, goods and labor. And what it really meant by that was bringing in the excess surplus populations across the world of diverse countries into countries that were already full up, basically, and creating the tensions and the chaos when no work would be found. And that's partly why the riots are going on in Britain right now, when because they've never intended to give the people work there. Uh, the work today on manufacturing, almost almost all manufacturing is made now in China, and that was also the plan. And we were all to be service economies, which is a nonsense, a nonsensical idea. And even when they floated that first in Britain, uh, before they gave all their factories away in the 70s, uh, then uh, they said that it would never, ever work. But it was not meant to work for very long, put it that way. And then the U.S. adopted the same stance as they signed the World Trade Organization, along with Canada and other countries, and then sent their factories abroad, again tax-funded for the moving and all the rest of it. Awfully nice of us to do that. This is what they call democracy. It's astonishing, really, that people still go and bother, bother to vote at all, isn't it? 
I mean, it really surprises me to go off after living their lives and watching this sort of stuff happen and still go and vote for democracy. Uh, and, and they get these uh, fresh faces all waxed to, to, to vote for. And um, and the agenda goes on regardless of which party claims to be in power. Because, you see, they've already signed all the treaties and update them yearly from the United Nations. And it doesn't matter which one's in, they always carry it on. And even Jefferson talked about that. He said, when you see agendas, the same agendas cannot continue between changes in the House as parties, it says, know then that you're under tyranny, and we'll be under it for an awful long time. And that's just the facts of it. And the craziest thing, too, was the, to create this European Union. That was, again, a, a mandate made at World War, during World War II. Uh, part of the Lend Lease Program, according to Eisenhower and others, was to make sure that the nations were integrated into a unified Europe. You don't realize that's where it really started it. Now it's part of the deals that signed on and, and they set up in 1948 all the offices across the countries involved to integrate them on the sly, as they say, very quietly that is. And always to lie to the public until it was up and running. And that's exactly what they did. And everyone, unfortunately, is supposed to get fit, fit into this, uh, this round hole, all the square pegs, regardless of what country you come from or what's the uh, nature of the people you live with, because we're all different. And uh, they refuse to accept that we're all supposed to fit into the same uh, round hole, basically, if we're all square pegs. Anyway, that's the world we truly live in, and that's why you're going through the planned depression now. Uh, and, of course, it combines with austerity. Now, under their own laws, if you had followed them before they mentioned the word austerity, you would think that their plan was to get you back up and running and manufacturing and, and creating um, jobs, etc. Uh, but no, we're told, no, we're supposed to, since a bank crashes, we're supposed to be austere, eat less and buy less, and be quite happy that they're going to take all your spending money off you to pay high energy taxes, high fees for everything, and, and that will take care of all that excess cash you had in your pocket. That's what's happening now. And what's even crazier is, is when you watch one country after another in Europe go, go around this circle of bailing each other out. And it's all tax money, you know, uh, from countries that are already supposedly bankrupt uh, into a black hole. They, they say, we don't know if the money is going to eventually plug this hole or not. And so they keep throwing more billions at it. It's an, an absolute con. What a con. We live through one incredibly large con after another. And people are taught by straight faces on television that this is serious stuff and experts are, are, are managing the whole darn thing. Isn't that amazing? I think our IQ must have really dropped over the years for us to accept such rubbish coming from mainstream media with their experts. If there were such experts, none of it obviously would have happened in the first place. And apart from that, if Greece had failed on its own, let the banks crash or let them fiddle their books like every other country fiddles its books to make it look glowing and wonderful. They can keep the same cons going forever if they want to in a positive way rather than a negative way. All the books are rigged. Money itself is rigged. It's all a con. But anyway, here we go with the U.S. This is they've downgraded the U.S. for its purchasing power and so on, which means you're going to buy at higher interest now. And the same bankers you bailed out, by the way, will now be getting even more interest off you. Fannie Mae, by the way, also um, had its hand out the other day there for another $5.5 billion. They're still getting bailed out, all these banks. 
Anyway, downgrade ignites a global sell-off, it says. Uh, it says uh, the 634.76-point plunge is worse since 08, as worries rise about the U.S. economy. And it says the downgrade of the U.S.'s credit rating sparked a global sell-off Monday, pushing the Dow Jones Industrial Average to its sharpest one-day decline since the financial crisis in 2008. And scenes reminiscent of three years, years ago, uh, selling accelerated as the day went on, and investors were forced to sell to meet margin calls from lenders demanding more collateral. It, it's, it's such a magic trick, isn't it? You ever watch the guys with the cups and they put the Dyson one, and then they, they move them back and forth all fast and say, where, where is it then? Where is it then? And you get a little prize if you guess right. Well, this is what it's like, isn't it? They're either bailing out other countries, or, or they go down themselves in the process, uh, and uh, it makes no sense at all. If you were truly that broke, you wouldn't be given a cent out of the country to any other country. Never mind building hospitals in China, because you signed a deal way back when you did the WTO trade deal. You know, you would not be building up India to be an up-and-coming country with your tax money, but you are. And uh, all of this kind of stuff. So it's just incredible we have to go through this farce, and that's what it is. It's a farce which will really hurt people. As well, get trained to be austere and to basically get pent-up frustrations until they have the big riots, the real big riots, which are scheduled to come down the pike. Not the not the little looting ones in, in London right now and across across London and England. Uh, that's just uh, youngsters who have watched enough advertising on TV saying, don't you want this big flat TV screen? And they're, they're going shopping. That's what that is right now. Because obviously they can't afford it, but they're told they're supposed to have it according to the lifestyles on the ads on television. However, this is the farce that we're told is reality. And they've got no ends of experts to come out and tell us why we must keep throwing money at other countries uh, hoping to shore up or plug the hole, the big black hole in space to stop the money flowing through. one It's, it's almost like congealing it, eh? like, like just putting lots of corks in there and hoping they all congeal together with some jelly and, and it, st- it stops just disappearing in the big black hole. What a farce. And they call this economics. And, and the guys get, you know, they get big letters behind their names for being economists. What a joke. What a joke, isn't it? You're better with somebody with a crystal ball. It's cheaper to to keep them. Now, anyway, that's the U.S. They've been downgraded, etc., etc. So the U.S. has to get used to borrowing money at a much back bigger interest rate and to get used to being austere, which means don't eat as much, don't buy as much, and be prepared to pay ten times as much for energy. Because, you see, energy is really, and taxes is where your, your, your pocket money is to go now. That's what they mean by austerity. It's all planned that way. And you've still got wars to fight. You've still got to finish off, um, take out Iran eventually and Syria. Israel's pushing for Syria too, I noticed. And finish off all those jobs and pay for it all. And then you, you turn back in on yourselves because that's what you have to do. All this weaponry and uh, all the, the, the technology that's experimented with abroad will be used back home over a span of 30 years. And I'll get into that later as they take the populations down. Now, Al Gore, the allegory himself, is quite the character because uh, he was raised by, by Armand and Hammer, really. And uh, Armand Hammer was given the name Armand Hammer from his daddy, who uh, came into uh, America early on, uh, practiced backstreet abortions when he wasn't qualified, sold a lot of uh, very dodgy mixtures to, to, for cough syrups, etc. And 
but eventually he got Al, his little boy, and he, he named him after the arm and hammer of the, the Soviet flag, basically. And um, it's interesting, too, Armand Hammer himself had a, a, a an apartment next to Lenin and then Stalin all through the Cold War, and he could come back and forth to the U.S. and, and back but, and be a very popular guy in both houses, you might say, of government. And no one ever questions his motives. It's quite interesting. But anyway, Al Gore was all trained for this global system. This global system of high-level communists doesn't mean they have to be poor, you understand. It was never intended that that high-level communists be poor. They truly believe in eugenics more than you'd ever imagine. And they believe the ones at the top should claim the wealth of the planet as they ordered you and how to live for yourselves. But anyway, Al Gore's admitting defeat up to little bits on his global warming scam. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Al Gore, as you know, was one of the first guys to be given the job to come forward to make himself a lot of cash at the same time by pushing global warming and then climate change, the change to climate change when the warming wasn't working out too well and Britain was under, and other countries were under snow for a good part of the year last year and folk have forgotten that already. Anyway, um, they changed it to climate change and he really ticked off because people aren't taking him so seriously anymore. And uh, NASA and other ones have come out and said, well, CO2 is following uh, warming, always does. It doesn't cause or lead the global warming. It follows warming because basically the, the sea uh, absorbs CO2 at times and it gives it off again uh, when it's a bit warm. So anyway, it doesn't, uh, the facts don't matter when it comes to this. And some of the top people have said that the facts don't matter. They're more interested in their computer models. They're living in a virtual reality. But anyway, it says um, Al Gore admits defeat. The end of the great global warming scam is just that much closer. And this is when this is from a speech you gave there, and I'll put a little audio up too, if you can find it, and you can listen to him actually say this for yourself. Since when you go and talk to any audience about climate, you hear them washing back at you the same. He says, crap, whoa, over and over and over again. He continued, there's no longer a shared reality on an issue like climate change, even though the very existence of our civilization is threatened. Uh, well, the existence of a special bank set up to, to deal with carbon credits is threatened, that's for sure. It says people have no idea. It's no longer acceptable in mixed company, meaning bipartisan company, to use the goddamn word. He says, goddamn word too, eh? Climate. It's not acceptable. They have polluted it to the point where we cannot possibly come to an agreement on it. So, uh, then he says too, it may be, when, because it comes back with the, uh, NASA came out and says volcanoes, etc., alter the, the climate and sunspots too, and he says, he, he says bullshit to every one of them, the nasty man that he is. This is a man who talks to children in school, you know, and, and brainwashes them, saying terrible things like that. So I'll put this link up tonight, and you can hear yourself as the guy gets rather ticked off as the true fanatic that he is. Mind you, they're all fanatical when it comes down to their own personal cash. And he's already rich enough, of course, all of the ones at the top are. But he wants, uh, along with Rothschild, to put uh, all our tax money through via an energy mathematical equation uh, into their own particular banks, where they can reap incredible interest off it, even overnight. The whole world goes through them, you see. So uh, this is Al Gore getting all nasty and 
nothing surprises me. Now, I've talked about the degradation of society. It falls into the riots in Britain. It falls into the riots, the riots that will come everywhere else. It's scheduled to come, by the way. It's not just a matter of people saying, I've had enough and somebody going crazy. It literally is scheduled that way. We're, we're living in police states across the world, all since 9-11. And that was all part of it, getting ready to contain uh, a post-consumerist society with massive inflation coming, uh, thought out a long time ago by the big think tanks. And again, because you now have the destruction of the family unit. It's gone, basically, the old traditional families. There's very few dads anymore who have any say in the matter, the ones who still exist. And, uh, and uh, of course, the youngsters join gangs, etc. Uh, and then when the economy goes belly up, as always, it does once in a while, uh, they go shopping through store windows and through the glass panes as well. But anyway, we're seeing that in Britain. I'll put quite a few links up to the British ones. And the claim it started off, it doesn't matter how it started off, because the, uh, a special SWAT team, a British team uh, called Trident, to deal with firearms, uh, a, a shot a guy, a youngster, and they claim that's what started it off. Another claim is that the, the cops beat up a, a girl, 16-year-old girl. It doesn't matter, as I say, what started it off. The fact is, it was shopping time. And uh, people had had enough as they're crammed into these cities with ever more increasing immigration coming in all the time, more and more and more. And that ties in with what Tony Blair said uh, to to his chief of staff who came out on national television, as I've read it here, in fact, and said, we must bring in uh, massive immigration uh, of the most diverse types to totally destroy any semblance of British life forever. That was in mainstream news. I have the articles here if anybody wants to question me on it. And that was from his the, the, the assistant prime minister. So we watched degradation. We've also watched degradation through music. And children, too, have been brought up with this awful, awful rap stuff for, for years and years and years, um, copying uh, even an ethnic group they can't identify with. It's ridiculous. But again, uh, you know, 50 years ago, the boys who made the record industry what it is uh, said that they could actually make that happen. The first step was to was to, and it was all worked by the Frankfurt Institute too, the first step was to get people from stopping dancing together and holding each other. I'm not kidding you, I know the whole history of this and how it was worked. And they came in with the pop music and then you dance separately from your partner and kind of stared at your feet or maybe her knees or whatever. And uh, that was to get it started, to change it from uh, seeing the person to seeing nothing but sex, and it's been awfully successful. End of the family unit, the state came in to take care of the, the fallout, and now the state's your nanny, and it's literally your nanny too. It, takes, it brings your child up for you. All plans a long time ago. The next part two was the total destruction of remaining religion. Awfully successful there too. The religions that are left are generally charismatic and a bit crazy, and, uh, and uh, they're more political for other, other countries' rights than there are but their own. And you also got into uh, the massive programming on television, even starting with the X-Files, where in every episode gets SWAT teams, and then the main female in it is always chopping up bodies as a pastime to find out what killed them. And then in came CSI, and we have stiffs and all different names for what once were people becoming normal. We're being desensitized to everything, and now we're eating China's new booster pills for stamina made out of dead babies. Get back on that after this break. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, just talking about the degradation of society, planned degradation, by the way. You'll find uh, guys like Aldous Huxley and then his brother Julian Huxley, especially, who was the first CEO of UNESCO, the United Nations Wonderful Standardization Tool for Children, uh, talking about this particular phase of it that would come in the future, a, a, a time of fallout, basically, uh, as they destroyed the family unit and the fallout that would come from afterwards with it. And... Uh, and how they create an atheistic, almost anarchistic type society, so they'd have to use the heavy hand to control them, and that would be done through, again, scientific indoctrination through school, grabbing them at an early age. That's what they hope to do. So, getting back to how we're, we're degraded, as I say, done through all television programming, that was give you a little mystery and a murder, and you follow the thing to the silly end of the rotten story, and in the way you're downloaded with predictive programming on well, people cutting up corpses and, oh, weighing livers, and, oh, it's just like a matter-of-fact sort of thing, nothing to do about human humanity at all, and we're, we're, we're dehumanized, you see. So we watch this kind of stuff. It's happened before in China, of course, to have a, a thing about keeping fit forever, and... Um, We've had BBC have done reports in the past with actually bought uh, aborted babies out of the back uh, doors of uh, abortion hospitals. And uh, they were given recipes how to make soup and all kinds of delicious stuff like that from it to enhance your youth, etc. So here they are again, and this is out of the International Business Times. And the South Koreans are the ones who are pursuing this because now they're they're selling them in, in that country from China. It says, the team reveals that the truth behind the deadly baby pill is horrific and disturbing. Chinese hospitals and abortion clinics that are connected to the business immediately notify pharmaceutical companies when a baby dies, most because of a stillbirth or abortion. Companies purchase baby corpses and store them in some family's refrigerator to avoid suspicion. The next step in this highly secretive process is putting the corpses in a medical drying microwave and grinding them into pills. The ground baby powder is then put in a capsule ready to be sold as a stamina enhancer, according to the SBS team. The Korean team acquired the deadly baby capsules and ran DNA tests on it. The test results reportedly indicate the pills were 99.7% human. Tests also found hair and nail remnants, and even the gender of the baby could be identified. The process will be aired with visuals on SBS TV documentary on August 6, 2011, in South Korea. So... That's how you're dehumanized, and it's in all your entertainment too now, by the way. And society's ready for the big heavy hand to be put upon it, because we are not cohesive in any shared values whatsoever. That's part of the process of of getting society ready for the big hammer. And um, actually, there's a caller hanging on from the UK. It's Daniel. I'll see if Daniel is still there. Are you there, Daniel? Hello? Uh, Can you hear me right? Yes, I can, yeah. Just quickly, about these riots in the UK, um, I just wanted to know what your opinion was, because to me, it sounds very strange. Um, they've kicked off in eight other cities simultaneously, yeah. and it does seem very, very odd to me um, if there was a riot because this guy got killed. And I don't know if you know, incidentally, but they've now confirmed that the bullet that hit the policeman was actually a police-issue bullet. Mm-hmm. So... They think that a policeman shot another policeman, which you know, doesn't surprise me. But anyway, point is, 
Um, does this not sound a bit strange that these riots have all of a sudden kicked off in eight other different cities to up to 250 miles away? What do you think it's all about? Well, I can remember the last riots they had, and the last riots were through the same cities, actually, and uh, they were organised uh, by leaders. The, the mob doesn't matter. The mob follows. And as I mentioned yesterday, it only takes 5% of those manipulating information to get 95% to follow. And so it could be very high up. Who knows who's handling it? It could be, it could be MI5 for all we know. But, uh, uh, what happened in, back in the, the last big riots, uh, it culminated with, with jeeps going around the town, um, with the, it was, it was people, it was some black organizers actually, and some in from Africa who were communists, and they were directing the mobs where to go. Uh, and that was supposedly, it was not a spontaneous uprising either. Uh, so this time it's, it's very, it's the same kind of deal that's happening. It's maybe a, a, probably a test, I would say, for bigger things to come. And, um, and now of course with this, it's what they say social networking, five, five p- people could be managing a hundred. Five people sitting in an office somewhere could manage a hundred quite easily or more, uh, and, and get them all going at it and tell them to come out and loot. Uh, it's quite easy to do today with today's climates of, again, austerity <laughs> and, and massive taxation, no work, and all the rest of it, sure, yeah. Well, this is what I was thinking, because I remember with the student protest last year, I never forget the police commissioner said at the end of it, because all this trouble happened, he said, we're considering banning anti-government marches. And I'll never forget that, because yeah. it just seems too much of a coincidence, well, it isn't a coincidence, that all of a sudden we have these spontaneous riots over four days, Mm-hmm. Nine different cities all around the country, yeah. and um, the, the government's been recalled. They're at Cobra meeting, deciding what to do. I mean, let's face it, we can see this uh, This is going to end up in a state of emergency, isn't it? Well, they've already said they're bringing 16,000 police in. I, I wouldn't be surprised, too, if, if, if they brought special police units in from the rest of Europe for the first time to get that as a, a new normal for us all. And I think also uh, that they're talking about bringing the military in, so they're probably, probably preparing to advance if it doesn't cool down. And uh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be managed quite uh, quite rapidly once that starts. Yeah. So uh, to sum up, are you are you confident that this could this could be an orchestrated um, thing that we're seeing here, and it's not as genuine as we're supposed to, to think it is? Very few things are genuine uh, on a scale like this. Um, the cops already had the ability to move in fast, but they didn't. They allowed it to, to continue. They stood back and watched the, the stores being looted. And so that, that, that right away there, that's a message to the youngsters. Continue because nothing's going to happen, obviously. And uh, so they want a, a riot. They, you understand what they've created since 9-11 uh, has been a police, a, a, an open police state. You're living in an open police state. And they haven't had the powers that they want to use. They've got the powers on paper, but they haven't actually put them into operation or tested any of them out. So this is a live test of it for bigger, much bigger things to come in, in the next few years. And uh, that's all it really is to me as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Yeah. no, I think I, I agree with that. I wanted to ask your opinion. And do you think the... Um we're going to get a lot of retroactive prosecutions in the future, do you think? Because that's why they're monitoring. Yeah, yeah, what they'll do, what they'll do, they're already doing it. They're putting up uh, through all the CCTV cameras, which for, for one time, they're, suddenly they're all clear and sharp now, the pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they're putting up all the, all the suspects' faces. And that'll also test out the procedure of who'll turn who in, you see. 
and uh, because that's part of the, the police state mentality is you get everybody um, uh, spying on everybody else and turning everybody else in. So again, it, it, you get this new society that will come out of it too. But it's a really a big test. And it's, it's, it's also a predictive programming test for the public who are watching this on television, getting them used to what for what was a scary world out there. So we've got to accept these new law enforcement measures and give them more ability to, to why not just put cameras up in their houses so they can watch us to see that we're good and safe. You know? Well, that's Big Brother, isn't it? That's why they yeah. must have done Big Brother, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Alan, well, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a big test. And, and I'll go back to an article I read. It's up in my archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And it was from The Guardian in 2007. It was from the Department of Defense. And it sounded crazy at the time, but I said, Don't, you wait and see, they'll bring it on. And it says, Revolutions, Flash Mobs and Brain Chips, A Grim Vision of the Future. This is the top military think tank for NATO and Britain. It says, information chips implanted in the brain, electromagnetic pulse weapons, the middle class is becoming revolutionary, taking on the role of Marxist proletariat, the population of countries in the Middle East increasing by 132%, while Europe drops as fertility falls. Flash mobs, groups rapidly mobilized by criminal gangs or terrorists or by the government. This is the world in 30 years' time, envisaged by a Ministry of Defence team responsible for painting a picture of the future strategic context likely to face Britain's armed forces. It includes an analysis of the key risks and shocks. Rear Admiral Chris Parry, head of the Ministry of Defence's Development uh, Concepts and Doctrine Centre, which drew up the report, describes the assessments as probability-based rather than predictive. The 90-page report, it's on, it's on my website too, I'll pull it up tonight, you can download the whole lot, comments on widely discussed issues such as the growing economic importance of India-China, the militarisation of space, and even what it calls declining new quality with the rise of internet-enabled citizen journalists, and pressure to release stories at the expense of facts. It includes other, some frightening, some reassuring potential developments that are not so often discussed. An electromagnetic pulse will probably become operational by 2035. They have it now, by the way. Able to destroy all communication systems in a selected area or to be used against a world city, such as an international business service hub. That was announced in Britain a few months ago that under, that under uh, the Parliament, or under Whitehall, they have a pulse weapon that if they released it, everybody with a, a pacemaker or a diabetic pump, insulin pump, uh, would I mean, kill, they kill it over within a 50 mile radius immediately and die. <laughs> anyway, getting back to the article, the development of neutron weapons which destroy living organisms but not buildings might make a weapon of choice for extreme ethnic cleansing in an increasingly populated world. The use of unmanned weapon platforms, space weapons and so on, were enabled application of lethal force without human intervention, raising consequential legal and ethical issues. Technology, by 2035, an implantable information chip could be wired directly to the brain. A growing pervasiveness of information communications technology will enable stations or states, terrorists or criminals to mobilize flash mobs challenging security forces to match its potential agility coupled with an ability to concentrate forces quickly in a small area. The middle classes eventually is going to austerity, obviously. This is before they mentioned the word austerity, because it's all planned, you see. 
The middle classes would be, could become revolutionary class, taking the role of envisage, that envisaged for the proletariat by Marx, said the report. The thesis is based on a growing gap between the middle classes and the super-rich on the one hand and urban underclass-threatening social order. The world's middle classes might unite, using access to knowledge, resources and skills to shape transnational processes in their own class interest. Marxism could also be revived, it says, because of glowing in inequality. And by the way, I've had some letters from uh, uh, some actual Africans in Britain right now who are just visiting, who are Marxist, and uh, they're all for this rioting going on. Because under Marxism, you must have the big riots to, to bring in your own group, right? An overthrow. So anyway, it says by 2010, and that's already gone, more than 50% of the world's population will be living in urban rather than rural environments. It's only 6% now in the states and the, on the land leading to social deprivation and new instability risks and the growth of shanty towns. By 2035, that figure will rise to 60%. Migration will increase. Globalization may lead to levels of international integration that effectively bring interstate warfare to an end, but it may lead to intercommunal conflict communities with shared interests transcending national boundaries and resorting to the use of violence. And it goes into population and resources, causing social tensions, etc., because uh, in the Middle East, it's always a big thing for the Middle East. Uh, they've got about Islamic militancy. And uh, then Iran, too, how it will grow and grow and grow. Terrorism will be everywhere, blah, 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 blah. And even tack on climate change, Al Gore's climate change. Everything's in here for the military. But that's their scenario. And you should read through the 90-page report because they said they'd use neutron bombs to, to, to uh, basically neutralize large crowds that are rampaging through cities. 2007, it was brought up. Just to let you know. And so nothing is, wasn't planned. And this is probably a bigger test than before. It's not a huge test yet. I mean, it could be much bigger than it actually is. But it's definitely a test on uh, the multi-jurisdictional task forces. That's all your SWAT teams, your specially trained police, your trident groups that go after firearms with firearms. And it might even bring police in from abroad, I believe, for the first uh, um, rapid deployment forces of the special police forces that they have now as well. They even have a special military that's already got a few, two or three battalions in it for the European uh, rapid response team. So who knows? It depends if they go looting tonight or if they've got enough televisions to last in a lifetime or whatever it happens to be. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens and comes out of it. But then they will make an example of all those uh, the photographed by picking them off one by one and probably making hullabaloo of Luke McCotlam, etc., etc. We're doing our job. You need us. That's the message to the public. You need us, of course. So that's that. Now, there's also Paul from Ontario hanging on there. Are you there, Paul? Hello? Hi, Alan. How are you? Not too bad at all. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Well, first of all, uh, I've been uh, a listener for a while, and this is my first time calling in, but... uh, I wanted to start off by thanking you for some of the information you provide and, and the way in which you present it. It uh, really has augmented my undergraduate education in a, in a profound way, everything from you know the roundtable system to NGOs to global governance, as they say, and culture creation. It's, it's really been invaluable to me, and uh, for that I thank you. Um, and I do plan on going forward myself and spreading the word, quite frankly. You don't have a choice. Uh, like you say, you do have a responsibility, just as a doctor would in times of, of pandemic, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as I say, I uh, I really wanted to, to bring up with you tonight this uh, perennial debate between uh, intentionalism, 
or in other words, you know, are, are things planned or um, as compared to functionalism, as they call it in, in the academic literature? Uh, in other words, was something done by design or did it just sort of happen? As you know, most people would like to go with the latter, um, just sort of stumbling along from one tragedy to the next, whether in global affairs or in national politics. Yeah. Um, and that's the way that it's typically presented to them. Um, now, not everything is done with mustard intentionalism, but uh, these massive world-changing political events and stratagems certainly are, and we need to be able to recognize that. And um, I have found uh, through studying history that uh, a great case study for that, for being able to recognize intentionalism, is Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the historiography is marked with this staggering debate over whether or not they planned everything they did or if it just through so-called functionalism just sort of happened, which is really amazing to me. I mean, basically what they're suggesting is this modern industrial-scale killing apparatus simply fell into place. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yep. So, but... Not only that, if you go even back further, you, you'll find the same thing with uh, Soviet Russia and the Bolshevik Revolution... Uh, because uh, they were funded into existence as well. They were remember that the West fed them initially. They had, they had full time uh, uh, ships going back and forth for 30 years under under American aid uh, and British aid uh, to, to keep them going because they couldn't even feed themselves because they killed off all the farmers. You know, there was a big slaughter spree. But meanwhile, it's come out too that Lenin and all the top honchos of the Bolshevik Party. Uh, also left massive accounts, personal accounts in Switzerland that worth millions, you know, each. So these are the great, great communists. But the fact was, uh, as I say, you, you, can, you can read um, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler, a great book, and you can also uh, see the one of um, who funded communism and the Bolshevik Revolution as well. Because There's also uh, that great book, um, I Paid Hitler by, uh, by Sison, who was the uh, German industrialist who, who was uh, basically uh, talking about his links with the West and this type of thing. Yes, and there's also Sacked Family too that FDR was related to. Hold on, we'll be back after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking to, to Paul from Ontario. And it's really the two views of history, too. It's, it's, it's kind of like conspiracy theory versus an open, the open theory. I prefer to call it the Wells's theory, H.G. Wells, who called it the open conspiracy. But uh, uh, he, he said we always tell the public what, what we're going to do. It's, it's their problem if they can't quite decipher it. And that's how the world is really, really run. You have uh, thousands upon thousands of think tanks. Every country has got them. They'll work with internationally with other think tanks to make sure they're on track together. And y you find that they'll come up with the same conclusions. As I say, it's like before they did the World Trade Organization deal through in the NAFTA and, and the GATT deals where they plan to give their manufacturing bases to China and build up China to be the manufacturer of the world. They didn't do it by itself. And um, same as, as Brazil and India, we're funneling our tax money into those countries now by international treaties to build them up to first world countries as we go down the tubes. Now, they knew when they were going to give all the factories to China, uh, there's going to be a big, big gap in employment, obviously, when there's no factories for all those folk to work in anymore. What are they going to do? So they even knew roughly uh, how long it would be before they'd have riots uh, in the streets, how many years it would take before the people would start rioting when they found that they're not going to replace those jobs. 
and uh, uh, you, they don't make mistakes. You don't make mistakes like, oh, we did this, we didn't notice this, this, was, this would happen. We didn't think of that. Nonsense. Their whole job is to look at every possible repercussion to every uh, law, treaty, whatever they sign, uh, and, uh, and they know what's going to happen. And that's just the way the world is run. Any big business could not be successful and survive if it didn't plan its investments 50 years plus down the road. And that's what they do. Well, when you're government, you're even bigger than that. And you don't hire thousands of professionals and, um, and people to come in and plan a whole future and leave anything to chance. Nothing is left to chance. It's a battle plan, basically. And you expect people to come up and object in different segments of society to different parts of your plan. And you even supply the leaders or the parties that will prop up to make sure you guide all opposition uh, down back into the slime. And that's how it's really, really worked out. But Anthony C. Sutton, Professor Sutton, put out some amazing books. And it's all documented books to do with who financed uh, Adolf Hitler. And he also had Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. You can't understand it unless you read those books. And remember, under the trading of the enemy acts, even the Bush family, uh, one of their seniors or their uncle, ended up in trouble because he was helping to finance Hitler, so was Ford, uh, and so was um, GM. In fact, GM and Ford, by the way, both got uh, recompensed for the Allies bombing their factories in Germany, and they got recompensed in the late 70s if folk didn't know that. We all paid them for the loss of production. Isn't that nice? So... The big boys never never lose out at all. Is Paul still there? No? no yeah, can gone. you hear me? Yes, I can, yeah. Yeah, just along those same lines as we move uh sort of to the to the one world model, um they seem to they definitely do seem to have a down to a fine science and it's kinda of difficult to understand why people can't understand, you know, sort of long term political statecraft. I mean it's been with us for a long time. Yeah. Um but would you would you in your opinion, would you say as a result of the spread of atomic weaponry Weaponry to all the uh, major powers that we are indeed uh, past open, conventional, large-scale uh, interstate warfare. Uh, we, we've, we're using other techniques now. We're using weather warfare for years, and that came out of the United Nations in the 70s, and that's when all the, the countries were called in to sign the treaty not to use it. But the, Brzezinski said it's a perfect weapon. No one knows that you're using it. They can't prove it, and all they can see is the effects of it. So he said it makes atomic weaponry obsolete. And you also have covert weaponry to do with bacterial and viral warfare that's released once in a while in different areas across the world. Africa was a testing ground for all the Western laboratories for that. So that we're, we're way beyond all, all of that. But, but thanks for calling that's the end of the show. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, me or God or your gods go with you. <laughs>